You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. All right, everyone, welcome back to Green Industry Perspectives. I'm your host, Ty Deemer, here at Single Ops, and we've got a really fun episode for you today to wrap out season six of Green Industry Perspectives. Hard to believe we're already through season six at this point, but it's been a lot of fun. So we're welcoming Jeff Rayleigh to the show. Jeff's the founder and CEO at Groundwork. They're a sales technology for home improvement contractors, and we're really excited to kind of go through his background and how pre-qualification can save a lot of landscapers and contractors time, money, effort, the whole nine. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, Ty. For sure, Jeff. So we always like to start off every episode of Green Industry Perspectives the same, and it's asking a pretty simple question, but hopefully gives our audience an idea of what you think matters in the green industry and in the landscape space. Jeff, in your experience worth working with contractors, what are the top two to three things that you see lead to successful businesses and growth and just a well-run business? I think one of them that I've uh, seen to really successful entrepreneurs in the in the contracting space, certainly in the green industry, is, is creativity. I think there's you know the people who really stand out, the companies that really stand out, do things just a little bit differently, and that really really attracts customers. That can attract employees. It helps you you know get creative about how you're solving business problems. So creativity is one of them. I also think something else that's really, really important is understanding yourself and really having a, that good kind of mental inventory of who you are as a leader of a company, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Um, that is really, really, really helpful, you know, as you're making business decisions, building a team. So those are two things that I think are, are critical for businesses in the green industry. Yeah, I really like that second one. That's probably the first time I've heard that on this show. And we've asked that question a, a good bit of times, but it's really true, especially when I even think about the different guests we have on a lot of the successful contractors have recognized, okay, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And what I'm not good at, I need to find someone that's like my second in command that is good at that. One of our recurring guests, Jeffrey Scott, talks about that a lot. He has a whole like event around building your second in command to complement your your downfall. So I love that. So Jeff, before we kind of dive into more of the topics that we have set out, I'd love for you to just share with the audience your background. You know, tell us a little bit about your career today, how you've gotten to where you are today, and and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, I've got a, a bit of a varied background. I started, you know, probably like many of the people that are that'll listen to this, started with a lawn mowing and landscaping business in high school. You know, so I've, you know, had my little Dodge Tacoma truck or uh, Dodge Dakota. That's what it was. A little white thing spun out in the wintertime. I had to put sandbags in the back and, you know, riding ride around Indianapolis is, is not the, the best thing in the wintertime, but in the summer, <laughs> you know, load that thing up with a couple of mowers. And, you know, I, I actually had a pretty, uh, pretty good setup for a high school kid at, you know, like 48 inch deck and, you know, pre- pretty legit operation, uh, ran that business through some part of college and then got into engineering. I went to Purdue University, 
and got an engineering degree and got into contracting at that point, more commercial contracting. Did a lot in on-site management of construction projects in the healthcare industry, building hospitals and you know some larger projects, but really fell in love with kind of the tech side of the business. And so rolled out all sorts of different pieces of technology and large scale contracting businesses. But then my wife's an interior designer. So we got into whole this whole like, I don't want to compare myself to, you know, Chip and Joanna games or anything, but you know, we've we've blown up many a homes uh, and put them all back together and made them look real nice. So that's part of our our story. And through that, you know, kind of residential construction experience and you know what I had done previously with you know the the mowing business and in the contracting industry. Um, really found that there was a need for cool technology to come about in the in the contracting space. Um, I've done a couple other things along the ways along the way as well in the nonprofit space and consulting, but all of those experiences add up to the the whole idea behind what is now groundwork. Um, and you know, kind of it's it's cool to see how the pieces come together. Yeah. All of the different elements of the the history of you know what I've done in my career um, to really understand the market, understand what small business owners need, understand even the technical aspects that need to be in, included in, in some of the stuff that we do with our products, and understand the kind of the business strategy behind the sales process, which is really what we focus on at Groundwork. Yeah, I love that. So, at what point, kind of in that? I love, first of all, how the back, just the different parts of the background have led to it. But what for you was the moment where you're like, all right, groundwork or the, the technology that is groundwork today, like that's what I want to do. That's, that's a solution that I want to provide. Yeah. So I was, we we're outside of Indianapolis is where we live in a, a suburb called Zinesville. And we bought a 70s ranch that had shag carpet and, you know, plants that had been planted in the 70s and were still there and these huge walnut trees that are, you know, overgrown, hadn't been taken care of. And it's like, you know, it's a project, which is what mm-hmm. what we like. But I was, you know, getting, working with contractors to figure out, you know, hey, what's it going to take to get this place shaped up? First thing I actually did was get the, the canopy lifted on a couple of the trees in the front yard. I uh, got some old boxwood taken out. Like, I was like, you know what? this whole thing about like waiting for contractors to like drive across town to, to do an appointment. Like um, I got other things to be doing too. Like I'm just going to create a, a video of what I need done and I'm going to put it in a Google slides presentation and I'm going to put some other like rough scope information in there in that, in that Google presentation. I sent it out to a couple of contractors and got some quotes back and got the work done. It's like that's hey, awesome. That was pretty. That was that was pretty slick. I asked the contractors who I was dealing with. I was like, "What would you think? Was that was that helpful for you?" And you know, got some good feedback from them of like, "Hey, it would have been better if this and that." And that was, it was enough. There was kind of like, "Hey, that was that was pretty cool." I wonder if there's something here. And that's really where the whole thing started. Of like, you know, from a homeowner's perspective, yes, that was valuable. But I also realized that contractors could find a whole lot of value in a better way to run the sales process to kind of see the project before they commit to a sales appointment. Yeah, I really love that. And that's a kind of a good segue into what we want to talk about in terms of pre-qualification and how it can really save contractors time, energy, frustration, money. So I think 
I want to start with asking you when you're working with a lot of businesses before they use something like groundwork, what do you, what are you seeing are some of their biggest pain points with their sales process on the front end? What's kind of the, probably the standard reality for a lot of landscapers and contractors out there? Yeah, I'd say in, in the green industry, especially there's a, there's a lot of kind of smaller, smaller shops, you know, the, the story of, Hey, I was mowing a couple of yards. And now I realize that, Hey, that's maybe not so profitable. I don't want to get into like design build type of stuff. Like we hear that balance a lot. And a lot of times there's, we even see contractors now swinging back into the maintenance side of things after doing some more of the design build stuff. But the same thing is true for tree, the tree industry as well is the business owners are running all over town, right? There's just, it's, it's kind of high volume stuff too, right? It happens quick. A lot of times there's just a lot of hats being worn by the business owner. So that's one scenario we see a lot is my head is spinning because I've got these calls coming in. I've got this piece of you know machinery just broke down. I've got a, you know, a sales guy who just quit or like my mm-hmm. crew, you know, not producing what they should be. And this customer's unhappy. It's just like all these things stack up and, you know, our solution, you know, really focuses more on the sales side of things. So we're like, if we can solve that, that might be, that might be helpful. But that's one thing we see is a lot of just kind of running around. The other, the other thing that we do see is for more sophisticated kind of larger contractors with a sales force you know, productivity of that sales force, um, you know, are the appointments that they're running actually good appointments to be running? So those are a couple of different things that, that we see when we're talking to business owners about the sales process. Yeah. And I think everyone can relate to that. You know, I felt like it was like a hot button topic really in 2020, maybe pre pandemic. And it kind of continued through as like, all right, how do you pre-qualify a job, right? Like what, what's the right rule of thumb? Do you charge like an estimating fee to go out to someone's property? I remember I feel like that used to be every other LinkedIn post that I saw. was just like, yeah. do's and don'ts. Like, do you do it? Do you not do it? And then you do run into the situation of like, all right, people are just shopping for a price and, and like mm-hmm. you're spending a lot of time. So I'm interested to hear from your perspective when people use something like groundwork, how much of it is the ability for like a sales team to scope out a project or how much of it is to just make sure that's a project that their team can actually do? Because I feel like a topic that gets brought up quite a bit on this show is, you know, when you start off a landscape company, it's literally just you'll take any job you can get, right? It's grow, grow, grow. You want to say yes, get a bid. But as you you become a larger operation, you actually have to learn how to say no to projects that aren't going to be profitable for you or aren't in your like slice. So h- how do you see like great companies really leveraging the pre-qualification process? Yeah, I think I think the pre-qualification process, uh, our stance on it is that it should not, I think a, a lot of the kind of the, the basic ways that are out there that are kind of like the standards are very contractor benefit focused, if that makes any sense, right? Like, how do I save time? How do I run a better process? How do you, and and a lot of times I think that gets lost on how it's benefiting the homeowner or the customer, Mm -hmm. right? So that's something that we focus on a lot is, you know, how do you make the experience amazing for the homeowner? How do you make their life easier? 
And so that's, you know, kind of the double win with our product. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's something we talk about a lot is like not cool. only just like, hey, I got to get this, get the junk out of my sales pipeline. It's more so like, how, how are you providing an awesome experience for the homeowners that you're servicing? A little different twist on that, but I think that's... No, that definitely is a good, like, good point. I feel like I had never really thought about just the conversation in that sense, right? Like making the sales experience great for the customer. Typically, I think the way contractors view that process is they just want it to be, they view their efficiency in that process as what's going to be beneficial to the customer. You know, it's like, Hey, if right. we're just quick with it and provide them with the info they need that, that accomplishes that goal. And I think you're getting maybe to your first point that if you take a creative approach to it um, and really do things differently, it could even be a better experience for the customer. Yeah. Yeah. And Completely, completely. The the other thing that you kind of mentioned is like, I think you kind of asked a little bit more about like the scoping, like how much is mm -hmm. like helpful scoping versus just like kind of like making sure it's awesome. a job that's worth scoping. Yeah, like right. Yeah, and I mean, we see it. De it depends a lot on who the contractor is and what services they provide. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a simple, I, I was talking with somebody else, and they're like, you know, we have a big tree to trim. It's like, well, what's a big tree? Uh, you know, it's very subjective. Yeah, when you for get, sure. When you use, you use a tool like Groundwork, you even just, you know, convince the homeowner to, you know, do the old school way, like send me a picture of, of the, the project or what you're looking to get done. Like that could potentially be priced out pretty, pretty quick from afar, right? Like that scope price, like there's some stuff that's just simple. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's other projects that are, you know, more complex, right? You got, you got outdoor outdoor living builds and you know there's a lot of design decisions or there's variables you can't really kind of get to without actually being there in person i think there's you know our, our tool is very flexible i think you know it goes back to the creativity part right like some, some of you just got to think outside the box but you know it there's there's no right way to do it i think there's that maybe is another business thing that i've learned is like there's there's a lot of variabilities in life and in business. And, you know, it's, yeah. you know, your market, it's your team, it's the, you know, the skills that you have, the technology that you have in place. There's like all these different things. So, you know, the sales process is no different. You know, if you feel comfortable doing things a certain way. Um, you know, we certainly encourage use our product when it makes sense to have help people get more efficient, but there's still a lot of variability in, in how companies use our tool and how mm -hmm. qualification happens in the you know correct way for each each different company. Yeah. I've got kind of like a spin-off of that question as you were talking and to the variability of just like every company operates a little differently. And that's probably a, a unique thing in the green industry, especially like you could stack up 10 tree care and landscape companies and they probably operate like very uniquely, you know, it's just, it's the reality yeah. of the space. Everyone has their, their way of approaching it. And I'm curious, like from your perspective, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you typically see or, or just like things that you're like, ah, like there's a lot of people that are doing that in their sales development process that I, you just wouldn't do, or that you kind of, are able to advise companies on how they could be doing a sales development process more efficiently or better. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes we get uh, the groups that say like, Hey, our sales appointment, you know, our first sales appointments, like an hour and a half commitment. 
that's a lot for me. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, again, I'm not saying that I, I think that's just maybe that's not wrong. Like I, I, I like to stay away from absolutes, but you know, that's a lot um, mm-hmm. to, to ask of busy people nowadays. There's probably there's probably a place where what I would say is that that's certainly not where the world's going. Yeah. You know, that's a, you know, a an antiquated way of doing things that may still work for, you know, high consideration, like high dollar projects, you know, certainly that have design elements. Like at some point you kind of need to dig into the details and everything, but pushing for that long form like push at the dinner table close type of thing on a first conversation, which doesn't happen as much in the green industry, but is certainly prevalent in others like that hard school, hard, hard sales, old school tactic stuff. Like, man, that that's just, you know, I think it's more of a thing of the past, certainly than it is a thing of the future. Yeah. And I would agree with you. We've talked to a few people in the space that they talk about that initial estimate and you're going out to a property, you're walking the property, maybe it's with the customer, maybe with it's not. But if you're not documenting it, you just forget things, right? You have an Mm -hmm. estimator that's going to 12 properties a day, like he's bumping all around town. And if you don't have like a great system of record that's documenting what you found (laughs) on the property and what you showed, you could get back and it'd be like, uh, I don't remember property A from property C, like which one yep. was what. And you kind of remove like some of the error, I imagine, with a tool like Groundwork. Like, is that a piece of how y'all think through it as well? I know we've talked about it's a great experience for the customer because they're able to kind of walk around their property and share with it. But does do you ever hear any of your customers say, yeah, like just the pure documentation piece of it to be able to go back and look at a video? Is that something that you're seeing people gravitate towards more as well? Yeah, I think it does. That is a use case. So a lot of what we hear is... Uh, you know, sometimes or a lot of times leads come through the video submissions from the homeowners come through and, you know, to an office staff member. Mm-hmm. And then that office staff member in our system can assign it to a salesperson. That salesperson can then review that project video ahead of an in-person sales appointment. So a lot of times that's what happens, especially in like the outdoor living space where it's much more, hey, I got to be there. You know, I want to you know get a sense for the customer, but I also want to make sure that like I'm prepared for the meeting. I know that it's something that's worth my time. That's something we see a lot is like salespersons, you know, sitting down the street at the gas station or whatever before they, you know, drive the last tenth of a mile to the to the homeowner spot, mm-hmm. review the video, you know, notice the dog in the video. Hey, I know there's gonna be a dog here and I'll be friendly and you know, say, Oh, I got a dog too, right? Like there's like these kind of intangible sales things that you can do by seeing the project first that we uh, you know hear a lot of from the sales people that we work with yeah i love that point we we always kind of joke about the dog example all the time it's in our software and our platform people can leave like tags on work orders that basically say hey like heads up dog in the backyard like (laughs) things of that nature even like just the fact that even before you even do the estimate you could get that type of information because I mean, any salesperson listening to this podcast, like context is everything. The more, the, the more the merrier. So even if it's just setting yourself up for success on the first conversation, like find a, a little thing to relate to the customer on can be pretty powerful, I bet. Yep, absolutely. 
I kind of want to shift away from the sales process stuff for a minute. At the beginning of the episode, you mentioned creativity in general with the green industry and and the people that you work with and it being a huge piece to what you feel like has led to some successful companies that you've interacted with. I would love like, and maybe this is too open-ended of a question, but what are some of your favorite examples of creativity that you've seen over the years? Like, are there any that really stick out to you and be like, oh, they did something unique that like was pretty impressive? It's not too open-ended because I love the question. I've seen some really cool things done from a recruiting tool mm-hmm. perspective, you know, whether it be uh, unique benefits of becoming a part of a team, whether it be like the method of recruiting, you know, using video or you know, other kind of non-traditional aspects to the recruiting process that can be really, really interesting. Or even just finding people in weird places from a recruiting perspective, right? Like, yeah, I know a lot of people have had success bringing people over from the uh, restaurant industry, especially during COVID. So the, that's that's some of it. I think there's also, you know, you can go to like the kind of the TikTok creator stuff, you know, like, hey, I got a TikTok channel. I, I don't know. I don't know about I don't know about that stuff. But I, I think you know when it comes down to putting yourself out there as somebody who's genuine, whether that be through your digital marketing or Mm -hmm. through that interaction along the sales process, those things just win, you know, more than, more than not in a space where there's like a ton of noise and, you know, marketing, especially for local businesses, marketing has become in general, you know, a game of, the masses, you know, like Mm -hmm. this brand, that brand logo, this, you know, this and that. I think when you can tie that to an actual human being, I've seen that done well uh, in several respects with people, you know, kind of tying themselves to their company that seems to work out pretty well. Um, And you can't fake that too. Like you gotta be you, you gotta, it's gotta be, gotta be genuine. Gotta be be genuine. Cause it can, you can kind of feel like people sniff that out if it's not. Oh yeah. Yeah. I really like the example in both examples, both with the recruiting side of things, but then just how to promote your business. I think the like, if I were to answer the question that I ask everyone on the show, one of the things that's really impressed me over the last couple of years are the companies that recognize that they don't have to stick to typical like green industry like growth yeah. and marketing tactics that they'll look at adjacent industries and be like, Oh, we could do our version of that. And it's, it is a level of creativity, right? It's looking at your business and be like, I, to your point, the, I think the businesses in our network that we've seen grow the most are the ones that have adopted kind of that personal slash founder brand. The, the, the mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm a marketing guy. So I, like eat that up and I definitely gravitate towards it. But there's a few companies in our, in our network that like everyone knows their origin story, what they're about, what they're prioritizing, what their goal are and goals are, and it's genuine and they know their team, like, and it's all free. Like they're not, it's just, they're, they're managing it and they're making sure at the very least our community, whether it's from gaining new customers or gaining new employees, they're going to know what we're about and why we're doing it. And to your point, everyone can have their own answer on that, right? It can be because I run a family business and I want this thing to go on for generations. That's a really cool story that I think 
if you can't relate to it, you might be jealous of it. You'd be like, man, I would love to be yeah. a part of a family business one day, but I like, I want to work with someone like that. Or it could be as simple as like, we want to be the best at everything we do. And we we're competitive. We want to win. Like you don't have to fake the rah, rah family stuff. If that's not you, if it's, I just want to build the best service for the market. And I, I like right. your answer all that to say, cause it, I think the best companies just truly combining your first two answers together. They know who they are. They know what they want to accomplish, but then they're creative and, and like put portraying that to the market. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think companies and, you know, I've from time to time fall into the trap of, you know, you can also hurt yourself by looking outside of who you are and, you know, outside of that genuine identity and kind of adopt strategies and different ideas and whatnot from companies that aren't like you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then those strategies just kind of don't work as well because it's not, it doesn't fit. So I think the opposite is also true that you can kind of get into some danger there by not being creative, by not understanding how different strategies might or might not work with you. Like, making a true honest assessment of those other things that you see i think that's mm -hmm. like call it comparison culture which you know has a lot of different connotations in the social media era we live in but like i think it's also true for business owners of small you know small business owners right like just because this company is doing this like that doesn't mean that you need to do that you know they might look good or might you know kind of check some boxes but man there's there's a lot of danger and you know kind of adopting strategies that are outside of that matrix of decision-making points that let you understand if that strategy could fit for you in your situation. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that you're getting at too is, you know, I think every tactic business tactic has a place at, at different companies, but what's going to impact your audience too, right? Like what, what yeah. are they going to relate to? Cause one of the things specifically around technology is like, in high metropolitan areas, you're going to be serving most likely a client base that's going to eat up the tech experience that you provide for them. If you were kind of going into a more like older community, people that aren't as tech savvy, like a digital proposal might throw them off, right? Like it. Mm -hmm. And I think like, yeah. as you think about even your team's processes as a landscaping or tree care company, like know your, know your clientele too. And that goes yeah. in with growth initiatives. If my clientele is like a high-end residential area in a suburb that like the average like person there is 55 and up, I'm probably not going to be like trying to promote myself via TikTok to that group, right? right? Like it's like, yeah. just know, know what works for you and it, it, you can yeah, actually that, build processes around it. Yeah. I mean, that even goes towards, you know, your goals as a company, right? If you're in, you know, small town, Midwest type of location like you probably shouldn't be comparing yourself to you know the top of the line outdoor living contractor in atlanta right mm -hmm. like that's just not a good comparison now there are elements of you know kind of business strategy you might be able to pick up and like you know there's things you can learn but you're kind of you know you just need to understand the field and the the atmosphere that you're operating in and not just blindly attribute strategies to, you know, a, a winning, winning game plan. Cause that's just not how it works. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, like, I just think all the time about the, you know, 
it's easy to go down the rabbit hole and think about different things you could do and just be like, eh, our customer base wouldn't like that. They wouldn't like this and kind of have the half glass empty approach to it. But then on the flip side of that, as we see kind of just millennials become homeowners, Gen Z become homeowners, like more now, like now more than ever, landscape contractors, tree care companies, lawn care teams, like they can get more and more creative with how they want to grow. Like it's going to be a group of people that are open to it, really want to see it because they'll buy truly based off of experience. Like, do, do we like it? Is it easy for us? Yeah. Like how much friction's involved? And that's uh, where if you think about the owner today, if you're maybe you just took over a company and you're thinking, well, what is my business going to look like 30 years from now from a sales perspective? You can get pretty creative. Like you can think like, how are we going to innovate? Because I do think that's where the market's going for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's just so many examples and this is kind of like just my general pitch on, you know, why I started a business, what, why I think it's an interesting space to be in is out of any other industry, the, the trades and contracting, you know, hard to say it's not lagging behind a lot of other industries, right? So there's a major, major shift that's happening. So anything that kind of seems, you know, next generation or forward thinking to the industry, a lot of times is going to be welcomed with open arms from the customer base because, you know, the, the big brands, Amazon, Apple, you know, you can buy a car 100% online right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like So there's, there's just a lot of precedent set right now in the, in the market and certainly been accelerated over the last three years or so with the COVID stuff. Like, more than ever, the customer experience is what matters. And, you know, the customer experience that's desired at this point is not necessarily, hey, we'll come see it in two weeks and take an hour and a half of your time. It's more so like, hey, let's do a quick chat, you know, figure it out real quick, you know, have some quick win type of stuff, because that's what people are, are interested in. That's what they're looking for. So that's really you know, kind of the way that I see things moving as well is, you know, people just want a good experience that's helpful along every step of the way. No doubt. Like we see it all the time in our space, like just consumerism expectations have just gone through the roof. Like people want it easy. They want it simple. And it's because mm -hmm. of the, the kind of juggernauts that you're talking about that they interact with weekly, daily, they're doing it. And if they yeah. have an experience with your company and it's so against that, they're just going to be really thrown off by it. And it's going to frustrate them and leave them um, annoyed. So it's just like, how do you even match that level of like Amazon Prime like service? Or how do you even go like above that service in your own unique mm -hmm. way? So Jeff, I want to be respectful of your time. We've got about five more minutes to talk. And I always yeah. like to ask this question towards the end of an episode, because I think it's good for the audience to hear, like, what are you processing for the future? What are you excited about? So it's pretty simple. Like, what comes next for you and the team at Groundwork? And what are y'all getting most excited about as we go into the, they go into the, like kind of the spring season in 2022? Yeah. So a couple of things. One Kind of, we kind of just touched on it, but there's a wave of, of innovation coming to you know, the green industry and the trades and you know, residential contracting in general. 
So I am really excited to see how business owners adopt that, you know, and really, really make it their own. You know, there's, there's certainly been a ton of, of movements over the last five, 10 years into, you know, software and other technologies, you know, equipment technology and, and other stuff that create efficiencies in business, but there's a ton more coming, right? There's a lot of, a lot of contractors out there who are, you know, still yet to figure that out. So that's super exciting to me. I think it, you know, is good for certainly a uh, single option for, for what we're doing at Groundwork. Uh, but it's also good for business owners, right? It's like mm-hmm. sleep better at night, you know, don't stress out so much, improve margins. Like there's some like real world benefits there. I think for our team at Groundwork, what I'm excited about is, you know, really doubling down on collaboration. You know, I think one of the things that we hear often is, you know, when are you going to get like an augmented reality, like measuring tool? It's like, well, you know, that might be, that might be <laughs> a little ways down the way before we, you know, go like complete robots on this uh, quoting thing. But, um, and I, I know many people don't want that. It's, you know, there's so many variabilities in the sales process and, you know, different situations that that may never be the case. But, you know, we're, we're making strides towards that, but still we're, keeping a human element to the process, I think is something we're very, very interested in because, you know, we're champions for the small business owners that we work with. We really like working with the people. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to be a robot type of system. We really want to just make it easier for, for contractors to run their process in a way that's helpful and, and impressive for their ideal customers. So more collaboration, while maintaining the personal touch is, is really kind of the stuff we're working on uh, here at Groundwork. Awesome. That's great to hear. Well, Jeff, if anybody's listened to this episode is kind of interested in what Groundwork is doing and wants to get connected with your team, what are some ways that they could do that? So our website's probably the best way. Uh, awesome. It's hellogroundwork.com. Hellogroundwork.com. Um, there's uh, a big button that says how it works on the top right-hand corner, and that has a series of quick one minute videos on it that kind of shows what we do. You can also sign up for a demo with us if you want to. And we are you know, friendly with uh, integration stuff with single ops and many other, many other systems that you might already be using for uh, estimating and other stuff like that. So, so that's a good place to start and we'd be happy to, to, to contact or to be in contact with you through the website. There's lots of resources out there as well. Awesome. Well, Jeff, I really enjoyed our show today. Felt like we got through some really great topics for our audience. And I'm excited to see the innovation that you were talking about. We see it on our end every day. And it's it's a cool thing that Groundwork and you are doing. So really appreciate the time and look forward to staying connected. Yeah, absolutely, Todd. Thanks for having me on.